welcome to Long Clinton Baptist Church this morning. If you're a visitor, it's really great to have you with us. If you've come because you were encouraged to come um, by Lighthouse, if you went to Lighthouse in the summer, um, I think they let you know that you're very welcome to come to the churches that support Lighthouse. And they call these uh, opportunities relight so you can come back and remember some of the good time you had at the, the Lighthouse Club, whether that, I guess, is Silver Lighthouse for those that are slightly older, or Lighthouse for the children. So if you're here because of that, a really special welcome to you. Thank you for coming. And we pray that you'll feel really at home and welcome. I'm Rob Finlay, I'm one of the elders here. Um, and my wife Jackie, we're pulling the service together this morning. And we are continuing uh, these all-age services on the theme of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, now, there's a slide coming up. I don't know anyone who's good at spelling. Preferably someone under the age of, what do you reckon, six? Anyone look at that and tell me what, if you unjumbled all those letters, what words you might get? I'll have to tap in the front. Any idea? There has been a clue on there earlier. <laughs> Goodness, fabulous. Good, and um, is this one on, Ian? Can we use this one? Um, do you reckon you can spell goodness? Do you reckon you can put those in the right order? Maybe between you, you can see what, what letter comes first? G. G, then O. O. It's a bit o. hard to see on there, isn't it? O, O. D. D, yeah. N. N. D. D. F. Well, it's a little hard to see, isn't it? But it does say goodness across the fruit, and those are lovely pears, by the way. So, that's the theme of our of our service. Uh, Jess, are you gonna? What are you doing? Uh, just texting the sister about a holiday. Oh, okay. Jenny uh, was good. Uh, food was good. Weather was good. Um, surf was good. Uh, <laughs> I think you're using the word just a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah, but it's a good word. Jackie, you're good. <laughs> Even Jackie oh, did. You're good. <laughs> we do. We use the word good in so many ways, and sometimes you might feel it's a bit overused or it's a bit devalued, and it does have some different meanings. So it'll be good this morning um, to look and see what the Bible says about goodness. And so we're going to think about God's goodness and the fruit of goodness in the way that we live. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that we can be here together this morning. And as we come before you in the name of Jesus, we ask that by your Spirit you would speak to us about your goodness and how this affects the way we live. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit down. So, at the beginning of your Bible, there's a book in there called Exodus. And in Exodus, it talks about a man who God called to lead some people. And his name is Moses. And Moses and God had a lot of conversations about a lot of things. And as a leader, Moses was wise in as much as he knew that he needed God's presence with him if he was going to lead the people. 
And God said, yeah, I promise I'll be with you where you go. And he was pleased with that. And Moses then asked a very bold question of God. He said, show me your glory. Now, I don't know if you've ever looked at what the word glory means. It's almost one of those words that's hard to describe with words. But if you go to the dictionary, we use words like, a bit like the gate, resplendent, but in a wholly different sphere. Resplendent majesty, unearthly beauty, magnificence. And we know from other parts in the Bible that if Moses was to see God, he would die because of the magnificence of God's glory. And God actually said that to him in Exodus 33. But what did the Lord do? What did he say to this question? He said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. So Moses asked for the glory and the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. Now God's glory is his goodness. And he went on to say, the Lord went on to say, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And you find that, that is all that one verse, it's a long verse. So what does goodness mean? Why does the Lord say, you ask to see my glory, my goodness will pass in front of you. Well, there's another slide coming up on the screen. And put goodness in the middle there, and other words around it that perhaps help us to understand a bit of what goodness is. It can be a very common word. Mercy, the Lord said that, didn't he, in verse 19. Compassion, he said that too. Undeserved kindness. Kindness that we don't deserve. Doing the right thing. We all understand that, doing the right thing. And if you want to use big and clever words, you might speak of morality, that God has moral perfection. Moral perfection, which is, he always does the right thing. He's always fair. He's a God of justice. He's a God of goodness. Do you imagine this Bible? The Lord passed in front of Moses. And it's as if this Bible, when I have it, it passes in front of me and shows me God's goodness. As I look through it, I see the Bible speak about the Lord Jesus all the way through the Bible. And the Lord Jesus is God. And he is good. And the Bible speaks about the Lord Jesus, his mercy and his compassion and his perfect morality and him always doing the right thing. He's a God who gives and the God who forgives. Fantastic, isn't it? The goodness of God. So when we begin a service and we're thinking about the fruit of the Spirit, which is the way we live our lives, how does the character of God express itself in the way we live? In love and joy and peace, kindness, gentleness, goodness, all those fantastic things. How does it show? Well, let's go back to where it comes from. It comes from a good God, a glorious God whose glory is his goodness.
Over the summer, we had many uh, Christian camps and um, holidays going on. Um, people lead and help at these because they want to tell our children about God's goodness. And lots of people I know who are here this morning helped at um, those camps and went to those camps. We're going to have a little think and look at Lighthouse um, now, which took place in Thames. I think it was at the end of July, beginning of August. And 800 to 900 children attended. And during the week, the children heard about the story of Joseph. So we're going to just hear a little bit from a few people who went about what was good at Lighthouse. So, Grant, if you'd like to come up, and uh, Joe, you're going to come up and tell us. Jacob, do you want to come and tell us? Um, is Erin here? Where's Erin run away to? Can't see her. Will you say something about Lighthouse? What was good? Yes? Yeah? Okay, so we start with them and come to Grant last, do you think? Right. What was what was good about Lighthouse? Um, doing the craft. Right, doing the craft. What was good about Lighthouse? Um, there was always something on, and it was always fun and interesting. What was good about Lighthouse? I had a silly sandwich day, and I had jelly snakes in my sandwich. <laughs> Had jelly sandwich day and had jelly snakes in his sandwich. That sounds a very cool thing to do. Thank you very much. And Grant's going to say what he thought was good about Lighthouse. These people all went to Lighthouse. I think you had a good time. I had to eat some of those fantastic sandwiches. <laughs> Not as enthusiastically as what he as, uh, as enthusiastically as he did. For me, Lighthouse, a good way to sum up Lighthouse is lost. Um, Jackie's already said there were lots of kids and uh, we had lots of helpers from all over, from many different churches. It was really good to see so many different churches getting involved and uh, so many folk from LCBC um, serving as well. It was also lots of fun and like the young folk have said already, there was something to do for everybody. There was sports, there were crafts, there was uh, creative, uh, there was good games, good uh, teaching. And uh, so there was something for everybody, something for everybody to enjoy. Uh, there was lots of gunging, which was a highlight for all the young folk, uh, not so much for the helpers. Um, I had a close call, I was nominated, but uh, didn't quite make it, so um, that, was, that was very good. For those of you who don't know what gunging is, it's like the ice bucket challenge of goo. Um, and then we also learned lots about Joseph, and through the story of Joseph we got to understand more about God. Uh, we learned about God's goodness actually, about his kindness and how he's in control of the situation all the time. So Lighthouse was a very good time. Thank you. And at the end of the story about Joseph, he says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. Similar to the words of Jesus concerning his death on the cross. God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. We're now going to do the story of the Good Samaritan. 
One day an authority on the law stood up to put Jesus to the test. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to receive eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you understand it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Love him with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbour as you love yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do that and you will live. But the man wanted to make himself look good. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Robbers attacked him. They stripped off his clothes. And beat him. Then they went away, leaving him almost dead. A priest happened to be going down that same road. Oh Lord, I thank you for making me one of your chosen people. I thank you that I am so good. And I pray for all of those who are not so good and those who are unfortunate or hurting or in all sorts of difficulty today, Lord. And I just, hmm, hey. the Lord, I pray. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. A Levite also came by. Oh, what would the priest do? I'll pray for this man. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side too. But a Samaritan came to the place where the man was. When he saw the man, he felt sorry for him. He went to him, poured olive oil and wine on his wounds and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey. You'll have to use your imagination. <laughs> he took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins. He gave them to the owner of the inn. Take care of him, he said. When I return, I will pay you back for any extra expense you may have. Which of the three do you think was a neighbour to the man who was attacked by robbers? The authority on the law replied, the one who felt sorry for him? Jesus told him, go and do as he did. I read a couple of books a while ago, they're not written by a Christian, it's a guy who's a doctor, Max Pemberton. Um, and uh, when I think about this service, there's something in here which I thought I'd read to you. So he's a junior doctor, and it says on the back, he's into his second year of medicine, but this time Max is out of the wards and onto the streets. Chapter 1. 
Are you sitting comfortably? That man spat at me. It took a while for what had happened to sink in. He definitely spat at me. The glob of spittle sat on the pavement a few inches from my feet, glistening. I wasn't sure what to do. No one had ever spat at me before. And no one came to my rescue because I wasn't on a ward and the man who spat at me wasn't a patient, just a random passerby. I hadn't even looked at him, let alone done something to provoke an attack. I decided to adopt my middle class and seem to be outraged look. Yes, that would make him sorry. He didn't turn round though. I turned to the man sitting next to me. Oh, don't worry, he said. They're always doing that sort of thing. He slurped some soup from his polystyrene cup. But, but, I began to fail to find the words to describe my indignation. As I sat there, though, it dawned on me that the man who had spat at me had done so because he'd thought I was someone else. He hadn't realised I was a doctor sitting on the pavement trying to persuade a patient with a gangrenous leg that he should come with me to hospital. The brutal truth was that he thought he was sitting as a homeless person. Had I really managed to blend into life on the street so quickly? I looked down at myself, ill-fitting t-shirts, jeans, grubby trainers and a rucksack on my lap. Hmm, not so much George Clooney as Wurzel Gummidge. I knew it had been a mistake not to wear a tie. <laughs> Happy to lend you the book if you want to hear what happens. So there are some good people around, and Max in that case was one of them. And they do sometimes pay the price uh, for their goodness. But we just heard a parable from Jesus, and we know that being good doesn't earn us eternal life. So let's just go back to the parable. If you've got your Bible with you and you want to follow it, it's in Luke chapter 10 and it starts at verse 25. So it's Luke 10 and verse 25 onwards. So on one occasion an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, stop there. His motive was to test Jesus. But it is a good question, isn't it? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Remember, he's speaking to an expert in the law. So Jesus asked the Jewish expert about his specialist subject. He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. The moral law that's how the Christian Institute describes the Ten Commandments and what's built on the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, the moral law. We heard about goodness, didn't we, earlier, that one of its attributes is moral 
perfection? He answered, well, you could sum up the law by saying simply love God and love your neighbour. Now most of us, I guess, seek, we like good in our lives, don't we? We like good things to happen to us. Do we also seek to do good to other people? Jesus replied in verse 28, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. Love God, love your neighbour, easy to say. Impossible to do all the time and in all circumstances. And I guess the lawyer probably realised at this point how far short he was from this requirement. He was testing Jesus and Jesus in his wisdom and perfection was able to turn it round. I'm sure the lawyer was thinking at this point easy to say, harder to do. Remember his question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He thinks for a bit, and in verse 29, he wanted to justify himself. He asked Jesus, who is my neighbour? Maybe we could draw a little circle around certain groups of people. I don't know what he was thinking. Who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, tells him a parable. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. A Jewish man from Jerusalem. Someone the expert in the law would identify with. Someone like him, a brother. What happened in verse 30? They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And you saw what happened to Tom and the robbers fantastic in their acting. Those of you at the back probably didn't see, he actually had lipstick and bloodlines all over him. It was very artistic. <laughs> but this is a serious thing, isn't it? What happened here? This was a merciless attack. They didn't just rob him for his money. They took his clothes and they beat him. Then Jesus introduces uh, three characters to the story. Two religious people, the priest and his helper, the Levites were helpers, if you like, if one way of thinking of them, to the priest. And apparently, I'm reliably informed, um, priests and the Levites often would live in Jericho and then they would come into Jerusalem. So this would have been a common journey going up what we saw there, the Jericho Road. In verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Sometimes we seek opportunities to do good. Other times they seek us, don't they? Remember that picture we had right at the beginning of the service? I said, just have a think about maybe how goodness relates to that. Often when I'm working in the city, I walk by people who are homeless. And every time it's a challenge, isn't it? Do I take some risk here? How do I show compassion? Am I being taken advantage of? Do I act in a good way? These are all questions that I'm not planning to answer right at this moment. But maybe we'll come to some later. So the priest was going down the same road and he saw the man and he passed by on the other side. What do we do when we come across someone in need? The priest was no doubt a devout man. 
in many ways, yet despite this man being one of his own community, he avoided getting involved. He didn't consider him his neighbour, I guess we could say. And then verse 32, so too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. I wonder if the expert in the law, the lawyer, was getting a bit uncomfortable at this point. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was. Now there was a real hatred and enmity between the Samaritans and the Jews. But the Samaritan in the story saw the man, just like the priest and the Levite had seen the man. And it says in verse 33, And when he saw him, he took pity on him. This was risky business on a variety of levels, I suggest. Were the robbers still nearby? Was it safe? Oh, and by the way, this was a Jew. But he was driven by pity. It says he took pity on him and compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on them and wine. Oil to heal, wine to cleanse. I presume he wasn't carrying a first aid kit. He probably gave some of the material that he had with him, maybe some of his clothes as bandages. He cared for the stranger. And then in verse 34, then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. He took him to a place of safety and he cared for him as a friend or a brother. The next day, he took out two denarii, or two silver coins, it says in the reader's edition of the NIV, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you had. He gave. What did he give? Well, he gave his money. He gave his time. He gave his concern. And then Jesus, with the question, So which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The parable, the title in the Bible is The Good Samaritan. Do you see the goodness? He gave. He did the right thing. It took effort. It involved cost. He showed mercy. Undeserved favour. But this reminds me a bit of what we said about Moses at the beginning and the goodness of God and what goodness means. There's another level to this story. Jesus is the great Samaritan. Does the oil symbolise the Holy Spirit and the wine, the cleansing blood of Christ and the inn, the fellowship of the church? And then there's the promise of his return, the second coming of Christ. As with most scripture, there are different things we can learn and apply to our hearts. I'd like to read um, 
from a Christian author now, <laughs> um, Tim Keller's book called uh, Generous Justice. I just want to read you the end of the chapter where he speaks about the Good Samaritan. But the law expert did not have the vantage point to see what we can see. According to the Bible, we are all like that man, dying in the road. Spiritually, we are dead in trespasses and sins. That's what the Bible says. But when Jesus came into our dangerous world, he came down our road. And though we had been his enemies, he was moved with compassion by our plight. He came to us and saved us. Not merely at the risk of his life, as in the case of the Samaritan, but the cost of his life. On the cross, he paid a debt we could never have paid ourselves. Jesus is the great Samaritan to whom the good Samaritan points. Before you can give this neighbour love, you need to receive it. Only if you see that you've been saved graciously by someone who owes you the opposite will you go out into the world looking to help absolutely anyone in need. Once we receive this ultimate, radical neighbour love through Jesus, we can start to be the neighbours that the Bible calls us to be. It's quite helpful, isn't it? Mm. Get the uh, next slide up. When we put our faith in Jesus, life begins. You're born again. The life of the Christian has just begun and God gives us his spirit who works within us. And just like an apple tree, where it grows apples, or a cherry tree that grows, do you reckon? Cherry? Or a pear tree that grows pears. A person filled with the spirit of God grows fruit in the likeness of the character of God. It's a lovely picture, isn't it? And one of these is the fruit of goodness. We're changed, and our mercy and our compassion grows. We want to give to everyone in need without prejudice. It may cost us, but we want to respond to the mercy we've been shown by showing mercy, and the goodness we've received by doing the right things. Well, this takes effort, and the Bible says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And it said about adding other things after that, but for this morning we'll just stop there. Add to your faith goodness. And here's a really, I don't know if you like maths, but if you add faith and then you add goodness to it, that's a good thing, yeah? That's what the Bible says. If you think, actually, I'm going to start with my goodness, and that's going to get me before God. That's going to buy me eternal life. That's going to do it. I'll just add faith on the end of that. It begins with me being good. Doesn't work what Jesus said in his parable. I'd have the next slide up, please. Um, I don't know if you can see that. This is a place where I do some work. This is one of my customers. And um, this is a, an ID badge. I won't tell you who the customer is. And can anyone read it? Can you, can you read what that says? Robert. Thank you. Who's that? Any idea who that is? Have a look at the picture. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, well done. Yeah. So that's me. 
So I've got this ID badge, it's got my name on it, and in my job it allows me to get into this, it's not there, isn't it? It's a fabulous building, big glass building, eight stories high, overlooks some Paddington train station. You can watch the trains while you're in meetings, it's lovely. <laughs> there are lots of doors and security in that building, but this opens the door. Because it has my name on it, and I had to go through a security clearance to be given it. They had to check I was who I said I was. They had to check all sorts of things about me. And then this business said, yeah, you're okay, Rob, and you can wear this, like this. And when I go to the door, I just do this. Like that. And the door goes, and I can get in. When it expires, I can wave this in front of the door as much as I like, and the door will not open. They won't let me in. So imagine that this card was my goodness. All the good things I do, they're all in there. All the mercy I show, all the compassion I have, and all the right things I do. Well, these are good things, but they don't let me in. They can't open the door to eternal life. The door stays shut. We're coming to a close now, and we're going to sing a hymn which is usually sung at Easter because it's about the cross of Jesus. But that applies to the whole of our year, doesn't it? And it has this verse, there was no other good enough to pay, to pay the price of sin. He only, that's Jesus, could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. We respond to his goodness by faith and then we work hard with the power of his spirit, his fruit of goodness will grow in our lives. And like the poor man attacked by robbers, God will use us to be a blessing to others. Let's pray. Father, as we come to sing this hymn, we pray that you would speak to us about the truth of your gospel, about who the Lord Jesus is, and what he has done for us. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, you are a good God. Help us to love you and love our neighbour. In your goodness, you've given us your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is perfectly good. And you call us to put our faith in him. And Lord, we want to add to this faith goodness. Help us work hard to show mercy and compassion. We pray for those we know who are in need, that you may meet all their needs and care for them and use us as you would will. We pray for our troubled world, that you may use us to do good. We pray to you and give you thanks for all your goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you wanted to pray with anybody after the service, there'll be some people over in that corner there. Just go and see them. That'd be good. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the time we've had together this morning. We want to thank you for each other. But most of all, we want to thank you for your glory and your goodness. And we pray that as we live through this week, we would know the indwelling of your spirit, 
helping us to show mercy and compassion to those in need, remembering all along that it's in response to your goodness. And for that we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Do please stay for some refreshments, take a seat, and uh, they'll be served with two there.